my man, what is happening? How are you? Oh, great. Uh, just got back from a little training session, training some young wrestlers. So I'm good. Giving back, man. That's right. Dude, I'm, uh, I'm excited. I'm trying to get some, uh, get some of these dialed in here. There we go. Get the, some of the, some of the things I want to talk to you about, but man, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm honored to have you, man. Um, giving back is, is kind of how you and I got connected here in the first place. So, um, we're going to talk, we're going to talk through that, man, but it's so fun. So fun to get to do what we get to do, you know, with Tim, with, with having these calls every single week and bringing in some of just the best men on the planet, talking with these young guys that we get to serve and, and having some of our dads that'll join us. And it's the best when I get to do it with another young man, who's not even that much older than some of the guys we get to serve, dude, there's something special in there for me too, man. So I'm really, really grateful uh, for your willingness to, to come in and, and hang out and be on the show, man, truly. Well, thanks. Thanks for having me. Uh, I'm excited to be here. I mean, I think if something like this was around when I was, um, you know, young, 11, 12, 13, 14, it's like, um, it's what I would have needed then. And so just seeing that is like, I, I'm just, yes, you know, it's what we need right now. And, and yes, sir. I'm just, I just wanted to be a part of it. Yes, sir. No, I'm, I'm, I'm grateful, man. So I've, um, you know, the whole thing, I want to make sure you have context, uh, but then I want to make sure these guys on the call have context and people who are listening, you know, as this goes out and you're okay, if this goes out as, as one of the podcasts too. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome, man. This goes out. So we get, I mean, a good six figure download per episodes and things too. So we'll get that out there too. So, um, but, uh, you and I connected uh, again, I'll give you context here, but then I want to give how we connected um, specifically because I want to give context to the young guys that are on this call. So, um, you know, as far as this, obviously Tim and I, I've launched schools and they're very different schools, not the same kind. They're not traditional model schools, but I launched schools in California, helped him launch his school out in Texas. And we just went, man, we got to do something to give back to these young men, right? We got to do something to get these young men in front of the best young men and the best men on the planet. And so, you know, put this together a few years ago and the natural progression of things. We had many of the dads that were like, man, we need something like this for men too, right? So we went to the, the men and with the women, we're getting something for the young ladies. And then we've got 50 um, campuses that we're launching here in 2024, where the moms and dads of those students get to come into this too, where the students on those campuses are doing projects and challenges like this, but they're also a part of what we're doing here, right? It's all tied together um, around good character-driven humans who are here to get after it and support one another and freaking getting after it, right? Being the people that we need to see rather than pointing the fingers of, man, this should change and that we're going to go ahead and we're going to go ahead and be the change, right? And push forward. So that's the context there. And one of the things that we do as we talk with these young men on how to connect with people who are doing things that you're interested in, doing things you want to do, being forthright in that and being a person of character so that when you do reach out, they respond well. And, and, you know, we start to develop a relationship and it's, um, you know, that whole networking piece. So you actually reached out and you were like, Hey man, I love what's going down. I love what you guys are doing. Here's who I am. Here's some background. And um, I'd love to be a part of helping on this journey anyway, you know, that I can. So kudos to you. Cause I don't see enough young men doing that, man. Where do you think that came from for you? Is that a wrestling thing? Is that a work ethic thing? Is that a good parenting thing? Where, um, where does that character come from for Killian? Uh, definitely a little bit of a wrestling thing. Definitely a work ethic thing. Um, but I'd say, so this summer I did a door-to-door -door sales job. And if you've ever um, done door-to-door -door sales, um, you're going to get rejected a lot. People are going to slam the door in your face a lot. Um, but it's the same with wrestling. Uh, you, you're going to lose a lot of wrestling matches on your way to, you know, get to where you want to go. And you never know how close you are. Like, I think Ed Milet says, like, you're one handshake away from, you know, your dreams, one meeting, one whatever. So if you, if I reached out to you and you didn't respond, it's like, I'm going to be in the same place that I was beforehand, right? Or, or you know, it's the same thing if you, you're, uh, you, want, you want to go talk to the girl that you like, right? Yeah. You, you're by yourself. You want to go talk to this girl. But if you, if you don't go talk to her, you're in the same situation. Whether she says, well, she says yes, then, you know, you're in a different situation. But if she says no, 
you're in the same situation that you just were if you were, didn't ask her. Yes, sir. So there's nothing that could happen. And, and I think, you know, I'm still trying to figure this out, but sometimes you just need like to just jump, right? And then have like 30 seconds of courage and just, just try something. Send the, send the message, send the DM, uh, call someone, have that conversation that maybe you're a little scared to have. Um, like that's, that's where it is. Like fe- that fear is like, you just got to get over that fear. And a lot of times just the anticipation of whatever, whatever it is. That's right, man. So good. And I'm going to, um, again, I want to give you kudos because not only did you, not only did you take that, that leap and reach out, um, but you did it in an extraordinarily professional and positive way too. So you came at it. Um, I get, you know, I'll get met and I'm no, you know, Ed, Ed is a far more well-known name. Obviously my business partner, Tim Kennedy is far more well-known name. So it's not about that, but I still get hundreds of messages daily, emails, message, whatever. And people saying, Hey, I want to get 30 minutes to sit down and just talk through how I'm doing this with my kids or talk through how it looks to open a school talk to it. And I try to get back to every single person if I can, because that's what I'm here to do is I'm here to serve too. But the way they come at it usually is with an expectation that, Hey, we're just going to get 30 minutes on your calendar. I'm like, man, that's going to be, that's going to be tough to do with everything that we have going on. Um, you came at it and just said, look, here's who I am. Here's what I want to do. Here's where I've been going. And here's some of the things that I've overcome. And if there's anything I can do to serve, you gave me enough background on you. You gave me a background that showed you knew what we were up to um, and how you could come in and, and um, you know, play a role on that, man. So kudos to you on that. You mind if I read just a little piece of, because I want to take some time here up front to dive into you, your background, your journey of wrestling and everything you're doing now. We want to dive in so the audience can get to know you. And then these guys on the call will come in and ask some questions. You mind if I read a little piece of the email that you sent? Not the whole thing, but a little piece. Yeah, go for it. So there was a piece of it. So there was a a before this and an after this, but Killian did an amazing job of giving some context. He says, I just finished up a six-year wrestling career at West Virginia University, became a two-time All-American, a multiple-time scholar All-American in the process. However, I'm more proud of what I had to overcome during the time and who I became in the process than the external accolades. I battled and overcame an alcohol addiction. I haven't had a drop in two and a half years. Got getting off ADHD medication, battled ADHD and OCD diagnosis since I was young. And the movement is not about me, though. It's about all the young men and women who need positive mentors. So he came in and he showed, look, man, this is what I'm actually proud of. This is what I've done. But it's not even about that. It's about using what I've learned here to go, you know, pour into other people. Gentlemen on the call, you guys know that's an apogee man through and through. Um, that's the way we roll, man. So if you don't mind, I want to unpack that a little bit. I want to talk about your journey into wrestling. So take us back to to young Killian, first time on the mats, and and give us a little bit of that journey, man. Like you know, how has wrestling played a role in, in all of this, and how is you know the per- parental side? We just want to unpack you a little bit before these guys jump in. Yeah. So I I started wrestling probably when I was. I can't remember the exact age, but probably four, five, or six, right around there. That's when a lot of guys will start to uh, just get on the mat. Um, so I started wrestling in New Jersey, pretty good state. My my whole family wrestled, so my dad wrestled in college a little bit. His brothers and his dad wrestled, and so uh, and they just put me around it too from like a really young age. Probably when I was like two, just being around, like going to the matches and things like that. So. Um, I think my dad did a really good job of just like putting me around, like in the wrestling environment mm. to what I never felt. I think this benefited me like growing up too, was like, I never felt like he was forcing me ever to, to wrestle. I think a lot of guys, um, like I always remember when I started to get serious about it, guys would complain that they would have, and it wouldn't be wrestlers, the other athletes too but they complained about having to go to practice or this and this and I never understood it I was like what like I love going like I'm, I'm excited to go to wrestling practice like I get to try new moves and it's just like that was my place where I could just like um let all my energy go and it was just fun for me um but yeah I wrestled for a couple years in New Jersey um kind of got stomped honestly like the first couple years like I was I was not very good um yeah. And I just kind of got better and better and moved to, down to Virginia or back to Virginia. That's where I was born. Um, 
and then uh, out of nowhere, I was like one of the best kids in, in the club because I think mean, going from New Jersey uh, to Virginia, the, the wrestling levels are just a little bit just different. The, the resources um, aren't as there as much. There's a lot more club involvement in like New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Illinois, those kind of states where some states they just, you know, they just don't have the resources. It's more just high school wrestling. And so right off the bat, I was um, pretty good compared to some of these other kids. But I'm coming from a place where I was at the bottom. Now I'm at the top. Interesting. And so I kind of saw like the different levels. Kind of when I was like in fifth grade, I was like, okay, different levels here. But I think what really changed was I was probably like 11, 12 around that age. And that's the first time I remember watching like the nationals um, on like ESPN. Yeah. And I just thought it was, it was the coolest thing in the world. And I was like, I don't know if I like told myself or I just felt it, but I was like, I know that I want to be one of those guys wrestling on Saturday in March at some point. Um, And I think that was just always in the back of my head. Um, And then I just like, I was obsessed with, with wrestling. And so uh eighth grade is when i got like super super serious seventh eighth grade was when i got super serious started doing it year round um and then so when i got to high school it was just it consumed my life pretty much yeah uh which i don't know if it was a good thing or a bad thing but like i'd go to practice and i'd go home and instead of doing my homework i went and just watched wrestling like wrestling technique wrestling videos like movies like all night pretty much until I had to go to sleep. Yeah. And now I'll just do it again the next day. Um who and, I, and I'll if I ask in there too. So like did as you started watching some of these guys, did you because you had said you had come to the realization, look, there's different levels, right? And there's different um, you know, different states. You had different levels of wrestlers, different levels of opportunities that created different levels of wrestlers too. But then you started to get obsessed. And you start to take a look and you start to see, okay, look, this is where the best of the best guys are. At that point, did you ever have to, um, no pun intended, but kind of wrestle with the, okay, gosh, I wish there was better competition here now that I'm like kind of going over this hump and I've got to go search that out. Or did you have a mindset of like, ooh, okay, cool. I am one of the best here and that's going to help. But like, how did you wrestle with that knowing there's different levels was it more now the obsession, like, okay, now I'm going to have to go out of state sometimes to find the guys that I need to wrestle? Is that kind yeah. of how it worked? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, and so this is where I think, like, I'm, uh, I'm very grateful that I had my, my dad who, um, who was a wrestler, right? Mm-hmm. So I think if, if your parents don't wrestle and you kind of come from a state like that, it, it puts you just at a little bit of a disadvantage, right? It's not like you can't get to that level, but – um he knew he kind of saw like in like our club room where I was training is like okay maybe there's other guys here um and so what I would do is is like you said I would I would have to go search for um different different partners like go to different practices kind of all over northern Virginia um but like my one club coach it ended up being good he was a two-time All-American at George Mason so he was very very knowledgeable um, not just on the wrestling aspect, but also like on the mindset aspect. So I'm super grateful for him. But yeah, um, especially like when I couldn't drive, it was like my parents, they would be having to drive me to like different practices, you know, one middle school practice. Then after that, go go to the club practice and, you know, 30, 45 minutes one way and then go the other way. So just trying to get as much exposure as I possibly could. Um so you can just get as, as much as you can because you can go to practice like two hours, you know, on Tuesday, Thursday, right? And y- you'll probably be okay. But if you're trying to get really good, you're going to have to put in that extra work and yes, sir. You know, seek it out, seek it out yourself. Yeah, big time. That's that's cool, man. And then you you know you were talking about getting to that age where you started to feel like it was kind of like obsessive, like the you got the the mentors that are that are helping, but you got the movies and you're studying tape and all that kind of stuff. And for high you know high achiever high achievers type A um, sort of personality, there is a. I, I mean, I hear you say that, and I'm like, yeah, that sounds 
like that sounds it like the obsession is a gift like i i love that i think it's fantastic you also are juxtaposing it with being diagnosed with something like an ocd tendency right so was that playing into it at all did you ever look and go ooh is this a bad thing that i'm obsessed with wrestling like this or did you just go look man here it is like this is how i'm wired this is how i'm dialed and i'm going to go freaking get after it like did you ever struggle with that at all um I think later in my, like later in my career, I think I started to struggle with that a little bit more. Um, just because in the beginning it was more so kind of just me, right? I had like my parents and stuff, but then as you get older, you know, maybe you get like a girlfriend here. Uh, maybe you want your school to take a little bit more, like you want to do better in school. Like I wasn't um, a great student in high school, but then when I got to college, it's like, all right, maybe I should focus on my academics a little bit more and then so then I was kind of like well you know, there's a lot more to life than just wrestling so then I would have to kind of like battle with kind of that balance but what I've re what I realized and for me it was just like you know you're gonna have to sacrifice some stuff mm -hmm. um right and if you want if you want everything you know if you want a super balanced like life it's like yeah, you might have that, but then you might not have that success that yes. if you go all in on something. Yes, sir. Um, so there's always going to be trade-offs with, with stuff like that. So, um, so good, man. But so. I just knew that because I, I, especially like when you're a young wrestler, it's like you look up to those, the older wrestlers and you, you just watch the little things that they do, right? You watch their little mannerisms, like what they're doing with their arms, what it sounds silly, but like, how high are their socks? Like, where are their socks? What kind of shoes are they wearing? Yeah. How are they taping their laces, right? And you, you, you want to emulate those guys. Like, when you see those wrestlers on TV when you're young, you're like, you think they're like gods. Yeah. And then it was so cool to be able to, like, get to that level and be like, you know, I'm just, like, I'm, I'm a human being. Like, I still have, like, my own problems. But it's like, they look at you like you're this superhuman thing. And I think when I kind of got to college and I realized that, like, oh, I've been putting these guys on a little bit of a pedestal. Like, I'm no different than a lot of these guys. That's when I started to see a little bit more success on the wrestling mat, I think. Hmm. I like that, man. Why do you think that transitioned that way? When you saw them and realized they were kind of human, was it more the realization that, wait, they're human too? Or was it more the realization that, wait, I'm also at that level of human? You know what I mean? Does it? Is it was it more like, taking them down off the pedestal a little bit or more realizing, wait a second, I also belong in the room. Which do you think had the, what was kind of the bigger one if you had to pick? I, I want to say it was, I want to say it was a mix of both, but yeah. I think, I think just realizing that I was at that level too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Cause in high school, like, I was never like a blue considered like a blue chip recruit or anything like that. I was maybe ranked like one time in high school, but I'd be able to compete with a lot of like the nationally ranked guys, but they would maybe beat me by like a point here or there. Um, and, and I, uh, and then once, once I got to college, like I started to close that gap a little bit more, but it was just realizing that like, we're all, we're, we all put our shoes on the same way. Right. And, and it's, it's definitely up. It's up to me. Right. It's like, I, I have these resources now. Now I'm in college. It's like, I can work out twice a day. I can get stronger in the weight room and I can do all these things that maybe I didn't have access to in high school. Yeah. Uh, I think that was, that was huge. But yeah, just realizing that like I can compete with these guys, like they're no different than me. Like if I, if I do what I say I'm going to do and, and, and I, um, like if I say I want to be all American, then I got to do what that kind of person's going to do. Yep. And so that was huge for me. And then just also getting away from the outcome, like fo focusing less on winning and losing. Yeah. Um, and just focusing more on the process. And yeah. I, the year, the first year I all American, I put this, I had this big whiteboard and I would just put quotes on it all the time. And one of the biggest ones was, uh, take care of the process and the results will take care of themselves. Mm -hmm. um, and that helped me a lot. That's awesome, man. Yeah. We just had, um, we just had our year end gala 
uh, a couple of weeks ago in, in Texas and, and um, a lot of these guys were, were able to attend and um, we had Tim Grover was there with us too. Obviously Tim and I were, were up there speaking, but Tim Grover was there with us and um, Tim was talking about the difference between, you know, kind of these euphemisms of uh, maybe some of you guys will remember there was something he said around not doing, it was like, try, try your best versus do your best. I think that's what he said. That's what he said. It was something along those lines, right? Where he's like, no, you need to do your best. It's not about a try. It's not this. It's not a, it was, it was something along those lines of like, not worrying about the expectation, just going out there and being the very best version of yourself every single day. And it's exactly what you said, you know, knowing that the results are going to end up taking care of themselves. Um, That's a lesson that uh, you know, that's one of the things that I think is beautiful about things like wrestling is, is that you learn those concepts a whole lot earlier than I think a lot of um, your counterparts or your peers may, may learn, right? Like they're going to learn that a harder way later. And maybe they're going to learn it through work or they're going to learn it, but there might be other responsibilities, a, a family or something that are going to, you know, it's going to suffer in the meantime, getting to learn some of those life lessons early matters, man. And that's, um, that's kind of exciting. Do you do you see a difference as far as your mindset? You've earned this strong mindset. You've earned this wisdom over the years on on pushing through all these things. You're you have earned that. Do you see your peers maybe at school and some of the guys that haven't earned that yet and and you know that are that are maybe struggling for those kinds of realizations? Is that something you see pretty prevalent, or is it something that isn't as um, as obvious for you right now, like the mindset difference between maybe other young guys that are like your age. Yeah, I think so. Um, like I, I try to surround myself with like, like-minded people like myself. Sure. So it's definitely, um, like I try to have the similar people with similar mindsets, but I, I will definitely say that, you know, um, my old wrestling coach at, at ODU, he used to call them like non-wrestlers or non-athletes. He'd call them like civilian. Yes, sir. Um, I think sometimes I, I think I see that more like, yeah. you know, I can definitely see that just. Yeah. I, I it's like just, It's almost, it's almost like not that we're more mature, but wrestling is so hard in so many different aspects and so normal things like day-to-day things that maybe people that aren't used to such a high level of uh, like a stimulus yes, sir. things may maybe overwhelm them or they feel like they can't handle all that stuff and that's something that i think and i think like maybe entrepreneurship is like something similar is you have to deal with so much uncertainty and you have to deal with so much chaos and with wrestling, it's like, I'm doing all this work for mm-hmm. something that may or may not even happen. Yes, sir. Um, I'm doing all of this, this work, all of this mental anguish. I'm putting myself through all this suffering to go and, and try something that I might not get. Uh, like when COVID happened, right? Like I qualified for nationals that year and they canceled the tournament, right? So it's out of my control you know, injuries, right? And so we put all this work for something that is really just for the glory. And especially right. in wrestling and, and grappling as well, it's like if when you're a really, really, really high level, you know, you're not getting like a um, NFL draft or MLB like right. draft. Like I always make, I always tell people that right. don't understand like wrestling. I always tell them, I'm like, dude, like if I was a basketball player, if I was a football player, like I'd be going to the NFL. Like, but it's wrestling is just so different. Like their yeah. grappling is just, is just so different in that, in that way. Very much is. Yeah. No, that's a really good point. I remember, um, remember before the first fight that I had in, in a mixed martial arts, uh, competition, the first fight that I had in the, in the cage, I remember Frank Shamrock, um, showing me this clip, uh, from fight club and, and it was talking about how, once, you know, saying like some, once you're in fight club, like once you do that, everything else in, in life gets turned down, the noise on everything else gets turned down because it was so intense. Right. And he's like, well, that's about, he's like, man, that's what you're going to get to experience though. He says, you, you put yourself in the ring and you have that experience. 
the beauty of that is you get to know a whole lot more about yourself, but it just turns down the chaos of everything else. Like everything else doesn't seem as bad, doesn't seem as tough. You know, you'd be worried about a fight. You know, it doesn't matter. You're going to win the fight or you're going to lose the fight. Who cares? The rest of your life is going to, you know, if you really think about it, the rest of your life will end up being a little bit easier just because you take this. And that was just a cool way to look at it. You know, it's exactly what you're talking about right there. It just kind of turns the noise down and everything else. You're putting yourself in those hard situations and everything else. Okay, I can handle it, man, because I've done a lot of hard things. Yeah. And one one other thing that I want to say, too, is is the, what you have behind you, the the man in the arena, kind of what you're talking about with uh, maybe people my my own age is I've noticed that you know, people that aren't trying to do, do things, yes, sir. Um, trying to accomplish something. It, I see more of like the finger pointing or kind of that victim mindset, right. Totally. Where, or, or, or criticism. Whereas if you're, if you're trying to do something, you're trying to do something creative, whether it's, you know, win a state title, win a national title, win a chess tournament. It's like, you're not going to go and use that energy point fingers blame because it's, it's, it's not going to do you any good. That's right, like, man. I think I see a lot more of that with people that maybe aren't uh, trying to initiate something in their own lives. Um, yes, whereas people that are trying to do stuff, uh, they just don't have they just don't have time for that. Yes, sir. Very true. And that's some of that differentiation. I love what your coach called, you know, the civilians, right? Like you've got a little bit of that civilian mindset when that's some of the, the differentiators. You don't the, some of the civilians will do the pointing of the fingers, whereas you got other people who are taking ownership. Um, and you said something that's really, really important that these young guys are a part of. And, and but it's important for everybody to to understand. You talked about who you surround yourself with too, making sure that you're surrounding yourself with people of that same, that same sort of mindset, right? It's not, you know, trying, um, Jake Herbert, um, you know, was a stud, stud wrestler. Jake's part of this program and Jake's come on here. He's part of our men's program. He's come on here with these young guys. Bo Nickel um, is a friend who's come on here with these guys. Uriah Faber is a dear friend. Chad Mendez, a dear friend, all these guys, you know, come stud, stud wrestler. Matt Lindland was just on with us a couple of weeks ago. Um, just a bunch of stud, but that's, it's the mindset that's similar. These are the guys we want to surround ourselves with is that kind of mindset and being intentional about that matters. Um, how do you think? And so gentlemen, I know we're getting to a right about the half hour part. So put your, uh, put your hands up. If you have questions in dads, I want you guys to put them up too. If you guys have uh, questions for Mr. Cardinal, we'll, we'll bring you guys in too. So go ahead and get your hands up. I got one, um, kind of question leading into that. We're talking about the difference in that mindset. What for you now that you've had this amazing career and you're looking at going forward, right? You've got, um, you know, your whole life ahead of you and, and what you want to do with that. And, and there's this interesting transition maybe going from, you know, the college world to the quote unquote, now that you're not in the real world, you go into this quote unquote job force or real world sort of deal. And there's that itch for a lot of guys who are operating at a high level to still um, compete. And you still want to find yourself around really high level humans, what do you plan on that transition to look like for you? Are you still going to compete in a number of ways to keep that there? Or are you looking at just making sure that when you um, kind of enter the workforce, you're just still around those type of people? Like, what are you thinking in terms of that transition for you? What's next? Yeah, that's a, so that's a good question. Um, and when, like, I'll always, as far as like competing goes, you know, I think, I'll talk wrestling specific. Uh, I had ACL surgery around nine months ago. Um, and so I'll be honest, if anyone wants to wrestle in college, specifically division one, prepare your body because it's going to be um, going to go through the ringer. Yes, sir. Um, so I'm, I'm definitely taking a little body break. Um, but who knows, maybe in a year and a half, like two years, I'm like, ah, I, I still got that itch, itch. to compete. Yeah. Um, I'll be honest, I still get it now, but I know that I know my what my body needs. Yes, sir. Um, but then it's also just like I'll definitely compete in other areas of my life. So when I did that sales job this summer, it's very similar to wrestling because you're out there by yourself, you know, you have a team though, and then you're gonna compete against those guys on your team. Yeah. Um, but I think like the transition is 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 
definitely tough, right? Because I've been doing this for, you know, 20 years of my life. And so it's, it's such a big part of who I am. But I think what's nice is I'm able to take so many of the skills and the traits that I've learned in wrestling. And now I can, I can bring that with me forever. So wherever I go. Um, but one thing I know is that like, and I can feel it now and, and um, is like the comfort, right. Is like always trying to kind of not be too comfortable wherever I am. And I think that's, that's why I took that, that sales job. Cause I was like, this is pretty scary. Like, I don't know how it's going to go, Yeah. but I know that I need to, step out of my comfort zone and do things that I'm not used to something that I might kind of suck at um, and not, and be, and not be afraid to suck at it. Cause when I first started wrestling, I was not very good. Um, And so I figured that, you know, anything that I kind of go into that I don't really know, it's like, you're not going to be very good at, but um, I love something that Alex Ramosi says. It's like, how long can you do something without seeing results? That's right. Um, and I think I did a great job with that in wrestling. So it was like, I wasn't seeing the results for a little bit when I wanted to, yeah. but you just keep with it long enough. You're going to see that. Um, and so I know that, that wherever I go, um, you know, moving forward, it's like, if, if you can have these skills that no one can take away from you, um, you're, you're going to be in the all right. I love that, man. Well said, sir. Yeah. When Hormozy came in, um, with us he spoke to that a little bit he said something along the lines of most games like winning most games um and it ends up coming down to being a game of outlasting as you know i remember him what he's saying it's like outlasting right if you just stay longer and you push longer um then then you end up winning a lot of times no matter what that is business or otherwise because you outlasted the competition so yeah really well said sir well, and yeah, especially, um, you know, that outlasting is like, that's something I think was huge in my wrestling because I would see a lot of these guys that would beat me in high school when I got to college. I'd see a lot of these guys that beat me or were ranked ahead of me or whatever. And I'd start to see like, hmm, that guy's not at this tournament or, oh, he's not on the roster anymore or, oh, he got hurt and now he can't recover. It's like, and then you just start to see all these guys like fall off, fall oh. off, fall off. And then, and then you start beating those guys and you're like, Oh, like I just, you know, I didn't hit my, I didn't hit my stride until I got into college. And so, um, and then another thing too, to bring it back to what I was saying earlier was I think a lot of those guys too had too much of an external force driving their wrestling so they always had like a dad making sure that they went to practice or they had a mom making sure that they Mm. went to practice or a coach whereas like if I didn't want to go to practice when I was in high school there was no one that was gonna um force me to go yeah I was going I was going because I wanted to go and I think that's where um you know personal responsibility and accountability comes in to play and and I think I saw that in wrestling to where it was like all those guys that were used to be better than me. It's now I'm, I'm beating them and I'm doing better than them because like, this is what I want to do. You wanted to uh, do. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. That's a big deal, man. Oh, so rad. I'm going to pull Yeah, that's exactly right. Aiden. finite versus infinite game theory. Yep. You're exactly right. Um, and get you guys in. Yeah. Who, who were some of the guys you're watching? I'm sorry, Logan, dude, I'm not throwing you the bus. I promise I'm going to grab you, but this just popped in my head and I'm super curious on it. So who were some of the guys that you've been watching, Killian, as you were growing up and watching some of these guys on the weekend, as you were watching some of these movies, who were some of your favorites, man? Just out of curiosity, who were some of the guys you loved watching and, and um, you know, kind of following their career? And, and what are some of, when you say, I was watching some of these movies, what are you watching too? And yes, I have a very selfish reason for asking all of those things. Uh, yeah. So I would go on flow wrestling a lot and watch, watch matches, but they also had these things called flow film where they would basically like, it'd be like, um, video logs of like different teams and stuff like that. Uh, so I'd watch a lot of, a lot of the Iowa guys I would watch. So like Thomas Gilman, I loved him just because he was, a you know, he had really good technique, but then he was also just a character. Like he would like, almost like be, you know, getting chippy with guys and like starting fights and um, like talking crap to like John Smith, like when they're shaking hands, it just make things exciting. Uh, Jordan Oliver, he was from Oklahoma State. I would watch him a lot. Um, Tony Ramos, 
um, Mitchell Port. And Mitchell Port was uh, he was a 141 pounder Edinburgh, and he was actually my coach at West Virginia. So it's crazy. I used to watch him. Um, Zeke Moisey, Jesse Delgado, uh, Nashawn Garrett, you know David Taylor, Kyle Day, Chance Marsteller, all those guys. Like in the past 10, 15 years, that that were just phenomenal. And I would just watch them, and I would watch them wrestle, and I would say, all right, let me try to emulate what they're doing. Yeah. Um, try it, see what it works, see what didn't work, go back to the drawing board, and then I would just kind of try to also when I'd watch those like documentaries, just like see how they were living their life, their life. And, you know, how can I emulate that? Cause that, that's where I want to be. So, you know, they're where I want to get. So I got to do what they're, they're doing. So smart, man. Love it. Thank you for that. All right, Mr. Zorg, go ahead and jump in. Thank you, sir, for coming on the call. I appreciate your time. I'm just curious. So you mentioned that you had a, uh, that you got had OCD and ADHD diagnosed. I'm curious specifically on the OCD side of it. How did you, because you mentioned you hopped off the medication, how did you overcome that? And what lessons did you learn about yourself through that? Yeah, great, great question. So I'll start like when I was younger. So when I got diagnosed, I just would do a lot of those, like, if you know anything about OCD, there's like these like rituals that you would like do to kind of calm your anxiety or whatever. Um, and I don't remember a lot of it because this is when I was like really young, like three, four years old. Um, and so I would always have to like, just, just give you some background. I would like, if I ate an apple, for example, I would, I guess my mom would always tell me I didn't want my hands to be sticky. So I have to take like, I would take a bite of the apple, put it down and like wash my hands. It's crazy. Um, and then I have to make sure like all the doors were locked in the house. Um, or like, uh, I would touch like four corners on my, my table and like, put things where they needed to be. Um, and I don't remember a lot of this, but I'm guessing it was just because I was super anxious and that would just like help me cope with whatever it was. Um, and so my mom put me in like cognitive behavioral therapy when I was younger um, and that helped a lot. Oh yeah, and that had, also I do these weird things with like my uh, sleeves to where if like I had long sleeves on, I would have to grab my sleeves and put my jacket on so the the sleeve wouldn't come up while I was wearing jacket. Just crazy things. Something weird with my socks too. Like, um, and, and also just like a lot of sensory issues. Like going to the beach when I was young was super weird. Um, and then so like the cognitive behavioral therapy helped me a lot with that. Um, but then I think, and this is stuff like I still struggle with too, is, is you know, when you have like those tendencies, you're just very obsessive about things. And like, they might not even be things that like really matter, right? But for whatever reason, they're just like, they're just on the forefront of your mind, like always. Um, and so things like that helped me was, you know, one of those was wrestling, um, just physical activity, getting outside in nature. And then also like, trying just understanding like what I can and cannot control is also a huge thing right is 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 this something that's in my control or is it something that's out of my control and if it's out of my control then I have to learn to just you know essentially let that let that go right and what I realized is a lot of times whatever I'd be like stressing about sometimes it would just go away with with time um and I would just have to let myself kind of kind of be um, and then, but also like getting off my, my ADHD medication in college, that was super, super hard. Cause I probably did it in a way that like, I wouldn't recommend to anyone. Cause I'm pretty sure you should probably like go to your doctor and kind of like maybe wean off or tell them, Hey, like, I don't want to take these anymore. But I was just like, I had this experience where I was, I was like this, whatever these things are, it's like it's, it's not good for me. Like I was just, I could just feel it. Like, this is not good. Like, I feel like I'm dependent on this. And if I don't have this, then I, then I feel like I can't do my work. And so I just stopped taking it. And I realized that I just need to prioritize my energy levels and kind of where I'm putting my energy. Um, Cause I used to just work like, like I would go to lift and then I'd come back, eat something. And then I would do homework for like hours, 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 hours. And it was just unsustainable because I'm just using so much mental energy, but then also physical energy. 
Um, and then when I realized I had to prioritize um, the things that I needed to do, like the most important thing, I can do this. And then it's like, all right, you do two to three hours of work and then you kind of, you rest and then you sprint again. Um, yeah. Good for you, man. Good for you for the awareness of that too and how you're feeling and listening, you know, paying attention to that. So that's a big deal. A lot of people won't do that. What do you think, Logan? No, absolutely. That was a fantastic answer. I mean, I, uh, my family, I don't know if it's family history, but I do know some of my siblings, they have, or one of my siblings, he has uh, ADHD and I've been known, like, I don't, I don't think I have OCD at all, but sometimes like I, 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 I mean, it's gotten better, but I, I can obsess over things sometimes and like whether those are negative or positive. So I was just really curious because I know you mentioned how you were overcoming it and working on it and felt different about yourself. So that was a fantastic answer. Thank you so much. And, and yeah, Logan, thanks for asking. Logan, that, that obsessive quality, this is so interesting to me, man. And I, I'm, I'm so grateful for Kelly and Sharon, this, this piece of it too, because I'm, I, I'm starting to self-analyze and starting to look, cause I know I have a very obsessive personality too. It's why I've, it's why I'm building the businesses I build and why I work 365 days a year and why like it's I have that too and I notice that so I'm uh, it's as he's saying that and I've never said this to any of you guys I've never said this to any of the men on here I've definitely never said this on the show but as he was recounting the the sleeves man and putting the sleeves in jacket I know I did that exact thing as I was a young man I remember very clearly when I would turn on the television and that was, and I'm old enough to where like some of the TVs had the dials and all that kind of stuff, right? Where you had to actually turn it kind of deal. But there was a period of time where I remember if I was going to watch something on one channel, that was fine. But I actually, in my mind, had to turn the dial all the way around first and then come back to whatever channel I was going to watch. And then I had to make sure volume even in the car was always on an odd number, not on an even number. Like I didn't even really remember all of these little things until Killian started talking about that. And so it's a very interesting deal of trading that obsession, one obsession for another. And, and it's an interesting thought exercise. And so what Killian said, yeah, you can have everything sort of balanced, but maybe you never find that, you know, that, that success. I don't have any desire for balance. I, I actually feel mentally at peace when I'm obsessing and seeing all of this go forward the way it is. So it's an interesting thing, man. And so Logan, you know, you're going through a process of self-discovery right now too. You know, I mean, you really are figuring out who Logan is, how you operate best, how you get to that peace of mind up here. You know, that's a, that's a, that's a Logan journey right there. Yeah. Really good, sir. Let's see. Boom. Let's get Josiah. Let's get you in here, sir. Thank you, sir, for your time. I just wanted to ask you, who are your current mentors? Mm. Good question. Yeah. So I have a couple different ones. Um, so one of them is is this guy that, uh, like I said, I was doing the, the pest control sales, well, door-to-door -door pest control sales. Um, and so this guy that trains me, um, he's, he's definitely a mentor in, in my life. Um, funny enough, I have a really good relationship with, with like my mom. And so I always kind of consider her to be, um, a mentor of me, especially, um, and she'll be fine with me sharing this, but she, she's an alcoholic and she, it was really bad when I was in high school. Um, and then she got sober, you know like five or six years ago and ever since then like our relationship has just been super um just super good and a lot of times like I can just go to her and I get that a uh, little bit of a different like feminine perspective um on a lot of things which I think is nice so that's that's um the mentor in my life and then as I was saying before one of my club coaches his name is Johnny Curtis He's uh, he's a two-time All-American at George Mason. Uh, he runs a uh, tree service business, and he is someone that I can go to and just you know any kind of advice I need. He's just a a, a person who's just very rooted. Um, funny he works with trees, but he's just very grounded. And um, I always loved going to practice because he's a man of faith, and so after every single practice, he would give us some kind of a lesson of of just something from the bible or something he read 
but not everyone that went there was religious in any way. And I always loved it because um, I grew up Catholic and my parents got a divorce and then we kind of separated a little bit from that. And so it kind of adds some friction with religion, but I always liked that he was able to, um, he would talk about God, but he, he would do it in a way to where ev- it, it, he would apply it to, to life and give us like actionable steps or things that we could do like the next day. Um, and so that's someone that I've always looked up to and, and, you know, want to model my life around this as well. Yeah. What do you think, Josiah? Thank you, sir. Great answer. Yes, sir. Awesome. Mr. Boren, get in here. Yes, sir. Thank you, Mr. Cardinal, for your time today. Really appreciate you sharing your experience. So I want to, I want to kind of unpack earlier, you mentioned trying not to, or trying to stay uncomfortable like trying not to get too comfortable and I wanted to delve into that and ask because I know professional wrestling is such an intensive sport that pretty much everything you do in every arena of your life contributes something to it and and that's that's a necessity to keep to keep that level so coming away from that stepping away from that do you have any goals that you've put for yourself or or just kind of future future levels you want to get to to keep yourself accountable when that necessity isn't there you don't have to keep keep the weight or whatever for your weight class what 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 is your what's mm. your mindset around that how do you keep yourself accountable mm. good that is a great question mm-hmm. yeah and so good question right because when i'm uh when i'm an athlete right i have i have coaches that will keep me accountable i have um I have a 6 a.m. lift that I have to show up for. Or there's going to be consequences. I got practice I have to go to. Right? So very, very structured, um, which is nice. And, I, and uh, I've definitely started to notice that if I don't do that myself, then like if I don't structure my life, if I don't plan things, then it's going to kind of unfold into chaos. And it's kind of like a feather in the wind, right? You might end up somewhere good. You might end up in, in dog crap. Um, so I've, I've noticed that, right? And I got to learn how to keep myself accountable. But it can't just be me, right? Like, and here's the thing. No one is going to care more about your goals than you, right? But once, once you take personal responsibility and accountability and you say, like, this is what I want to do then you're going to find that other people really do want to help you, right? Mm-hmm. But if you're being a victim and like you said that you wanted to do this, but your actions aren't showing that, then, then no one's going to want to help you. But if you're open to receiving that um, and you say like, uh, I've been mentoring like a lot of younger wrestlers recently. And so every single person wants to, everyone says, I want to be a state champion. And that's cool. I'm like, great. And then I always ask them, like, do they know what cognitive dissonance is? And that's basically when, you know, you say something, but then your actions are, are not aligned with that at all. And so that's why I try to show them. It's like, when you say that you want to accomplish a goal, you know, that's great. You, you need to say that. You need to keep that in your mind. But it's like, okay, what, what actions are you doing to try to get there? Mm-hmm. And, and I'm definitely seeing that right now because it's like, now I kind of have this almost freedom to where it's like, all right, I did the wrestling thing. It's like, now now what right and so now it's like i kind of got to see well well what goals do i want now what kind of lifestyle do i want to live now and then like what do i have to do to to get that mm-hmm. right and 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 just making sure that and it's hard right like it's going to be very rare that you see someone who's got like everything they say and their actions aligned together right we're all perfect or we're not uh we're all human right no one's perfect but i think the closer that you can get your actions and what you say together is like you're you're on the right track right because then then you're going to be so confident right because i can relate this back to wrestling it's like the most confident guy on the mat is the guy that's prepared the most and has has done everything that he said he was going to do right i know especially in college guys that have all these doubts and have all these mental blocks it's because they 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 aren't doing what what they what they need to be doing like they know that they need to be doing this like deep down they know but that they're not doing it and especially in college dude there's so many distractions every night you could go find somewhere to drink every day you could go find girls to talk to or like 
whatever, right? And so I think if you could just get what you say and, and do say something and then you go and do it, right? That's that's the best advice I could give, I think. Freaking good. Yes, sir. That's great advice. I love that. I love you differentiating that alignment between what you're saying and what you're doing and making sure making sure those line up. So when you're talking about the cognitive dissonance, that's definitely that's definitely a trap I fall into saying I'm going to do something, have this goal I want to put, hold myself to, and then I don't follow the steps to it. So thank you very much. For yeah. And, and me too. And I think that's why it's important to have, you know, systems and then people that can, that can keep you accountable for sure. No, well said. Yes, thank you. Well said, ma'am. Mr. Steinbach, go ahead, sir. Absolutely. Thank you so much for taking the time, Mr. Cardinal, right here before Christmas. I really do appreciate it. And I would say you definitely had an interesting life path up until this point. I wondered if you could touch a little bit on that alcoholism, right? And more specifically, having it run in your family. You know, I appreciate the vulnerability of, of you mentioning your mother with that respect. And even more so how that ties in, one, being at a university, which you're surrounded by like a culture of drinking to begin with. And then two, you already have it in your brain with OCD and ADHD, right? Kind of sedating this on one side, and then it's feeding the behavior on, on the other side. So the self-awareness of like getting into this hole of, okay, I'm in a hole to begin with, and then pulling yourself back out because that's no joke. Could you touch on that a little bit? Yeah. Yeah. Man, you got some smart kids on here, man. I no like doubt. it. No doubt about it. Um, yeah. And so I think it's a mix of a lot of different things, but I think, you know, I'll try to touch on like kind of two things. One thing I think is, is that obsessiveness, right? So when I was, when I'm wrestling, right, when I'm at practice, like I'm all in, you know, like when I was wrestling, like I could focus like a laser, right? Like I'll, if, if the coach is showing something, like my mouth's shut, my ears are open. I'm all in, I'm dialed. And then I won a state title and then it's kind of like, well, you know, I'll go and hang out with my friends. Maybe we'll party a little bit. And then it was like, oh, like we're going to work hard, but then I'm going to party hard too. Right. And so I didn't really have that distinction. Like I didn't, I was just like, oh, I, I just go hard on things. So if I'm going to go hard in, in the weight room. I'm going to go hard in the wrestling room. I'm going to go hard when I party. Uh, and so that was kind of like my, my mindset. I was like, kind of go big or go home. Um, which obviously did not lead to positive outcomes. Um, but almost from like a very introspective, I think a, a reason that I would drink a lot was, and it, it wasn't, I say it wasn't like an everyday thing. Like I wasn't having to have a drink to go to like sleep or have a drink to, um, you know, um, hang out with people or anything like that. I think it was more so it was a way, especially with, with, you know, kind of obsessive thoughts and, and mind racing. Sometimes it's like, like, I just want to like, you know, be, be silent. And so that, I think that was a way, and I didn't even think I was doing this, but I think it was a way for me to like, you know, my responsibilities are gone for like eight to 12 hours and I don't have to like really think about anything. I don't have to deal with anxiety. And so I think it was a way for me to kind of just like shut my brain off um, for a little bit. Um, and honestly, like I had so many close calls to where it was like probably four out of five times, like if I was drinking, especially like in college, it's like I was going to black out. Like it just, it, that's what it was and I'd almost just do it like on purpose and I think eventually like my brain was just gonna go there like you have a couple drinks it's like all right here we go um and then I just started ending up in like bad situations where it was like I'd wake up the next morning and like I remember in college I woke up the next morning in my clothes from the night before and just feeling like that anxiety of like oh my god I don't know what I did last night like crap and then you hear the door knock and it's like two doors down our neighbors are coming in they're like dude you completely broke our door down like what the heck i'm like i did are you serious um and then so like having to pay for that and then just like not knowing like did i hurt someone last night did i hurt myself did i damage property um and then eventually like i got to the point where i got i got arrested um i got arrested right before 
my third wrestling season. Like literally a week before the season started, I was like, I'm going to go up with my friends to James Madison University. We're going to have a good time. And I, um, I'll get real vulnerable here. I, I uh, drank so much that I don't even remember, but my friend's apartment was here and you go one, two, three, four. I thought I was in my friend's apartment. And I was like, you know, it'd be funny if I kind of like mess the apartment up a little bit because they'll get back and they'll think it's hilarious. I'm in some random person's apartment. I'm in a random person's house, right? In a college town, like people leave their doors open. I must have just wandered in and started messing things up. And then, and so I'm starting to realize I'm looking around. I'm starting to like sober up a little bit. I'm like, this place is way too nice to be my friend's house. And then these girls walk in. And I'm like, like, what the heck did I just do? And then there were two guys, they grabbed me, they called the police, right? And it's like, I put myself in this situation. Obviously, I don't want to be in there. But alcohol is, is like, you know, it's, it's my responsibility. But if, if you take alcohol out of that situation, it's like my judgment's going to be so much better. Um, and then from that point on, it was like, I got to change something or I'm either going to die, I'm going to kill myself somehow, or um, I'm going to end up in jail. And, and you, you'd think that would have been like my rock bottom, but it like, it wasn't. <laughs> so a couple months later, I was like, you know what? I, I didn't drink the whole rest of the rest of that season. And I was like, it was after season national gets nationals gets canceled. I'm like, you know what? I'll just have like a couple drinks. My buddy was like, you want to go to the girls soccer house? I was like, all right, I'll just have a couple. And then um, obviously that leads into like a lot. And then I remember, like, I'm fighting with my one teammate, like, wrestlers, for whatever reason. Even when we're not drunk, we just, like, fight each other. Um, so I'm fighting with him. And then I just, like, wake up, and I'm driving my car, dude. I'm driving my car, and I'm only two streets away. And, like, my buddy's in the passenger seat, too. And it's, like, I, I just remember that. And I wake up the next morning, and I'm, like, dude, like, what are you doing? Uh, and after that, it was, it was, yeah, like it just had to change. And so from that point on, it was like, I just started, you know, obviously put the alcohol down and, and, but also just figure out like, why, why do I do this? Like hmm. what leads me to, to, to do this? And so it just led to a lot of like introspection and trying, and that's what I was talking about before. I think it was trying to avoid like some, some feelings, some emotions trying to get rid of anxiety trying to shut my brain off for a little bit um mm. and then so then it was like all right how do i deal with how do i deal with that when it's there mm -hmm. um good for you man good for you what are you thinking well mr cardinal i really do appreciate the vulnerability uh who who said it mr Pedro is one of your biggest mentors the purple cow um, his name, name escaped Seth Godin. I think Seth Godin, he says that your struggle becomes your story, right? And this is tied into copywriting and whatnot. And I think that that's, that's a really powerful thing whenever you can go through and say like, yeah, this, this was the issue, but it's been rectified. It's been solved. Mm. And then the other side of that is, you know, you talking about how you go through this whole thing and you get black at blackout and you get arrested and all this and the season ends and you say you know i'll just have a couple of drinks that small compromise i also i think it was andy frisilla right who says the only compromises that matter are the smallest compromises zero percent compromise just letting those thoughts enter your head to begin with letting them ruminate and allowing that to to, to tolerate right i'll letting that stay there and and malinger is a it's a really powerful concept to think like hey you know down the line this isn't the actual problem it's upstream what's starting in here is what's causing all of this and if you can come back and look at that from a higher perspective i think that's a really interesting thing to do so again i appreciate the vulnerability uh, yeah for sure and then i want to touch on one more thing because when i started to like when i stopped drinking and I would go like hang out with pl at places where like, cause you mentioned like university, right. And it's like, it's so, it's just normalized. Right. And what I started to notice, and I think, you know, I used to definitely drink to kind of be a little bit looser, right. More social. And then when you start to look around, it's like, oh my God, it's like, I'd say like 80 to 85% of all college kids are like, I think they're like struggling with this. Like, 
-hmm. and and I don't know for sure but it's like I could just see that like if you watch the progression of like how people act especially at like a party or at a bar and you kind of watch that progression where it's like when they're sober they don't know how to talk to people or it's like they're not that they don't know how but it's like they're anxious they don't and that's also what I was talking about earlier with the uncomfortableness is like sometimes having a conversation with a person is going to be a little uncomfortable. You go and approach a random girl at a, at a um, restaurant or a bar or whatever, it might be a little uncomfortable. And I think that our society just tries to get rid of that. And so there comes the drinking. Um, and so you watch that progression of, they don't know how to talk to each other. It's uncomfortable. And then they get a couple drinks and then everyone's kind of being more social. But if you're sober, you're looking at it, you're like, these people, they look stupid, or it's like they, it, it, like you're not even gonna remember this conversation. You're just, it's like not meaningful at all. Um, and so that was definitely hard too, though, was like going to places and like, like, oh, like I'm not gonna drink, and it's just like everyone is doing this, and so it's, it was, it was hard to kind of separate myself from that. But then also had to stand my ground, and be like, like I'm not doing this. Like this doesn't align with with what I want. So, and then I try, I think, like, to show other people, too. Like, you try to bring along other people and, like, some teammates. And it's like, like, let's go do something else. Or, like, that's, that's like, what's the point? Like, it's just not fun. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well said. Well said. When you get to the point where you start to enjoy living a different baseline of normal than the mass majority of humans are living and you start to get very very comfortable with the fact that you are living as an outlier you do have and again there's not uh there's no amount of hubris that we need to add to that there's no amount of chest beating none of that needs to be there but when you start to enjoy the fact that um your actions do align with with what you say you know your thoughts and your values are and you don't compromise on that and you operate at a different level of normal and you start to enjoy that that's a place not only do you get to peace but i think that's really where you start to unlock the ability to help other people get there as well i mean i really do i think you become a better leader at that part at that point too because you've just created a new baseline of normal and that's what all of us are called to do we're creating a new baseline of normal for for ourselves, for our, you know, our communities, for our families that we're leading. And um, so, I mean, I think that's the game. And, and so the amount of self, uh, self-discovery and self-awareness, you know, at, at um, just already, you know, even in, in your early, early twenties here, man, is it's a great thing. It's a great thing, man. I'm really excited about it. You're obviously extraordinarily uh, intelligent, but you've also earned wisdom through some of that experience too, man. So super grateful for you sharing some of that today. Yeah, really good, man. Um, when we send, I'm gonna take these guys through a debrief, but I want to make sure because this is gonna go out as an episode. The last two questions I've got is one: Where do people, you know, is there anywhere you'd have people go to to follow along with what you're doing? But two, and this one's the most important one: How do we, as an organization, continue to support you and when what you've got next? So those are the those are the last two. Would you send any anybody anywhere to? to follow along and then how do we as as apogee uh, support killian yeah so i mean um i got an instagram page i got a, a twitter account um you know if if anyone would want to like dive deep further i'm not opposed to giving my number out or email sure. um anything like that i've um been messing around the, with the idea of um you know if, if anyone's you know wrestler grappler in here starting a little like mindset mentorship program just kind of helping guys out with with some of the the thing and like actionable steps to you know help you out with with that um and then yeah so that's some ways you can reach out to me and then moving forward i know i've been talking with patrick a little bit um right and then and uh so very cool i know that we're looking to maybe do something out there or, um and then i know um also what's his name reached out to me as as well so i'm excited to learn more about kind of what you guys are doing and hopefully i can stay involved and we can get something Stupid. going because this is awesome and i mean the questions that you guys asked me for and what is the age range of these guys is it like 12 to 18 yes sir 
Yeah. And so just just seeing like the questions that you guys are asking at, at your age is it's incredible. Um, just because most of the kids your age are not thinking about this kind of stuff. They're not asking these kinds of questions. Mm. And I and it just it shows that like what you guys are doing is like it matters. Um, another thing, too, is like and this is what I'll leave you guys with is a lot of times just people aren't going to understand, like, especially when I stopped drinking, it's like, you tell people you don't drink and they, it's like, it's like the one thing where it's like, people think there's something wrong with you. Like if you choose not to do it. Um, but no matter what kind of a goal, like if you're trying to be different, like not saying if you're, if you guys are outliers, like people are just going to misunderstand you. And especially if there's a big group of them like that, they're going to try to bring you down like the crabs in a bucket thing. Mm. Um, so you just have to, to stick to your guns and know that what you guys are trying to do is, is, is bigger than, than any maybe, you know, instant gratification that, that someone might be trying to, trying to get. To. So, so well said, so well said, getting comfortable with being misunderstood. It is one of those steps in the journey. Uh, it really is, man. It really is. So good. Um, this was fun, selfish, selfishly for me too. This is one of my favorites of of the year, man, truly. Um, so really, really grateful for you taking the time. Definitely going to keep the ball rolling as far as conversations. I know you've gotten to connect with Pat. We got, you know, 50 campuses launching this year, another 100 likely all over the U.S. and, and uh, in Canada for 2025. We're going to keep rolling on the young men's side, the men's side, and on the ladies and young ladies side too, man. So there'll be plenty of opportunities for us to connect and keep it going. So um, super grateful, man. I'm going to bring these guys through a debrief, but um, I'll touch base with you uh, afterwards to uh, something I want to send you. So Awesome. And I appreciate you guys having me on. Uh, the questions were awesome. Um, yeah. Thank you guys so much.